Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Before we get started, I need to shout out my patrons, Robert, Matthew, Brenda, Garrett, Jeff, Paul, Tobias, Carol, Fernando, Jeff, Justin, Matt, and Robert. Thank you all so much. You helped make this show possible. If you'd like to support the show, want a shout out on my next episode, or want an inside scoop on my upcoming guests, consider joining. You can find the link in my episode notes, my link tree, or by heading to patreon.com slash hn, the number two, DM. Remember that 10% of my ad and patron money goes to support local LGBTQ plus youth via Encircle. Check out my link tree for more information. And now, onto this episode's guest announcement. Logan Rowe, known as the Mindful Gamer, has been playing tabletop games since his youth. Recently, he's been part of a live D&D theater experience and is running games for his family and friends. We chat about the stigma behind D&D and gaming in general, his best tips and tricks for running games, and also use the Mr. Rowe method to create a menu for an exotic fantasy restaurant. Enjoy! Okay, my name is Logan Rowe, and I I probably started playing D&D back when I was 9 or 10. Um, It was actually the artwork that got me into it. Yeah. Specifically rifts. I don't know if I was more like sci-fi, almost like futuristic cyberpunk stuff with like skeleton armor and stuff. And I loved it. And I had some cousins that had these books. And so I would just like grab their books and like flip through the pages. I knew nothing about the game. I just enjoyed the artwork and they were much older than me. And they were like, uh, you want to like see what this is? And I was like, yeah, sure. Cool. What is it? I was just sat down and they like walked me through a game of Rift. And I kind of like fell in love with this whole idea of like playing a character in something that was all imaginative. Yeah. And so it went from there straight into Dungeons and Dragons. And next thing you know, all my friends are like, we would play Warhammer, Warhammer 40K. Heroes Quest, like I just went full tilt into the fantasy D and D tabletop RPG world, yeah, and video games, yeah. But it was the yeah. artwork that started it. That was the the cool thing for me is, and I to this day love. I'll buy manuals just to like look, you know the monster manual and looking at all the different monsters and that. I just love the the artwork of it. Yeah, it's so cool. It spurs so many ideas in your brain, right? Like yeah. I'll flip through it to trying to decide some monster to put in an encounter. And it's like, what looks cool? You know, what, what would like fit the environment in a way that would be really interesting. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I, yeah, I, before I'd read the Lord of the Rings, I had this book at my piano teacher's house that was like art of Lord of the Rings stuff. And I remember mm-hmm. flipping through that, like when it wasn't my turn to do my lesson and it was just so cool. And, and that, I don't know, I don't think that started me loving fantasy, but like, that's kind of the same idea, you know? Well, um, I- Sorry, can I like you yeah, brought yeah, up ahead. Lord of the Rings? That like the fact that Tolkien would put you know the maps at the beginning, like that also cemented this like world building mentality. Like I want to draw my own maps and like yeah, populate it with my own little towns and cities and ruins and castles. And so yeah, there's 
definitely a blending of the two. Mm -hmm. So when did you run your first game? And do you remember kind of what it was like and and who was there and and how it went? Yeah, I was, uh, I had kind of dabbled in and out of games as a player. And then this would have been post-college. I had just gotten married, playing with some friends, and we had finished up the main game. And the DM at the time was really busy. And he was like, I don't know if I could keep playing as a DM. It takes a lot of my time. And I immediately was like, I'll give it a shot. I'll do it. So I, because I had already had all these ideas cooking in my brain and I do a lot of writing. And I thought like, I might as well, you know, like figure it out and see what it's like. So they were like, okay, all right, see what, see what happens. So our same group, it was uh, four of us. And we kind of, it was kind of like the, the continuation of the campaign we finished. But I was like, let's go to a different location and see what happens. And we had a lot of fun and they enjoyed it and I enjoyed it. We unfortunately, sadly, never finished because moving away and marriages and you know how, you know, we get older and it gets harder. But from there on, I was like hooked on the Dungeon Master world being in charge of creating and, and I still enjoy playing as a player, but there's something for me that fed my creativity personally. Like I liked the bigger scope of things and like creating a story for them to take part in. Yeah. It's, it's so fulfilling in a way that nothing else I've ever found is, you know, like you said, just, it's like raw creativity. You, you, there's no no real boundaries unless you're trying to stick to like specific tropes here and there, you know, like fantasy or sci-fi or whatever. But, you know, after that point, it's whatever you want. And, and yeah. that's so fun to me. Yeah. So your home game includes your wife sometimes when she has time. I know she's super busy. Uh, just mm-hmm. for the listeners, she's a, she's a therapist and she owns her own practice and mm-hmm. does a bunch of other stuff that, that you could talk a little bit about if you want. But did you introduce her to the game and you know, what, what's it like to play with family members? I say, you know, and this is coming from me who plays with my brothers and my wife and a couple mm-hmm. of friends, you know, that's kind of my game. So, you know, I really enjoy it, but it can be difficult sometimes. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Tiffany, my wife, I don't think she had any idea of how, how big a nerd I was when, when she <laughs> married me and like layer by layer, I'm, I'm revealing these things about me. And she's like, holy crap, cow, man. Like you are, you are a super uber nerd. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So you kind of want to like play a game? And she was like, let's do it. It started out not as a joke, but it started out as something very frivolous and simple. I have a niece that is really into cosplay and stuff like that. And she was like, hey, would, you know, Uncle Logan play D&D with us. And so we got uh, my niece and her parents who were kind of like, we'll do it for the kids. Like we're not like really involved. We don't know anything about this, but we'll do it. And then Tiffany uh, was like, well, like I'll do it. Yeah, sure. Why not? And uh, then I had another uh, nephew that was a bit older and he was like, I want to give this a shot. Like I've always been interested in this. So I'll play too. So much like you, my main campaign that I'm still playing to this day and, and DMing for is all family members. And that's yeah. the best thing because it it went from, we'll give it a shot, and we played during the holidays, 
to every one of them being like, oh, wait, this is actually, like, incredibly cool and really funny and extremely entertaining. Can we keep doing this? And next thing you know, people that were like, eh, sure, I'll, I'll jump in just, you know, for them are writing up backstories for their characters. And they're like, can we like take this like to the next level, like really get into it? And I was like, oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes, we can. <laughs> Music and, to your and, ears. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> Tiffany is the only one. Maybe it's because she's super busy or CEO life. But I think it's also just because this is who she is. She does not care about backstory, but yeah. she loves role-playing. And so we will get into these, like, one-on-one role-playing scenes that are just, like, hilarious to the point of inappropriate. And the rest of my family members just, like, sit back and laugh, you know, their butts off because Tiffany's just going off. And it's been a cool relationship builder as well because we're seeing different sides of us and we have a lot of fun improving together turns out yeah who knew yeah it's it's so funny i my wife didn't start playing as a joke either it was kind of like hey we need another person can you know or do you want to try it and she's like yeah sure you know I'll, I'll do it and you know i think she's really come to enjoy it uh, as well so yeah it's it's funny how things you know nothing about can become such big parts of of your your life yeah all right so Part of the point of the show and the thing I really love asking all of my guests is about mistakes that you've made um, mm. that other people can learn from, right? And so, yeah, that's that's the next question. What are what are some of the big mistakes you've made or small mistakes? And they could be from your first game and they could be from your game last week. You know, kind of talk us through some of the stuff that you've learned along the way. Sure. Yeah, mistakes. Okay, so when... In my younger days, when I was just starting out the DM world, I was uh, so full of ideas and the English lover, writer lover, book lover part of me really took over. And so I would create these elaborate, intricate plot lines and and I wrote D&D Adventures like a chapter book. But then the problem with that was I felt because of all the time and energy I was putting into it, I expected my players to play as such to like fit these roles that I needed because I just poured so much creativity into them until the point where I, I was railroading things at times and, and, regardless of what they were doing, I was like, but I really want this to happen because it's going to be so cool. And, yeah. you know, and it was, it was the inexperienced, naive DM in me that thought that that would work. And then over time, I've gone from writing as a chapter book to writing like an open world RPG with, I create a, a large world with little pockets of different stories and threads that can lead to them but giving the players free reign on what they want to do. And, and that has made a huge difference because it's no longer stressful for me and it's not forcing them to play in a way that they don't want to. And it's been, I mean, light years better than, you know, being like, well, I have this and this has to happen. So whatever they do, 
that will be the end result. To like, all right, roll the die. Let's see what happens. Like, where do we go from here? That freedom has been everything. Yeah. And it is hard. Like you said, when you first start out, you think, oh, I've got so many cool ideas about stuff we could do. And yeah, it's it can be it can be tough to balance the two, right? You've got a lot of cool ideas, but you've got to consider what everybody else wants to do and, and what they're right. gonna think of. So yeah, it's it's a tough lesson, but I think everyone at some point has learned it or will learn it, you know, yeah. if they haven't tried running games yet. And it's it's uh, super valuable to kind of have that mindset when you're going in. Yeah. The DM can have cool ideas, but players have cool ideas too. Yeah. And you got to learn to foster uh, giving them that, that freedom to explore those cool ideas and finding a way to, to blend them together. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's like a dance, you know, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> both be moving, moving together. Okay. So yeah. on the other side of things, what are some of your favorite memories of really fun stuff that's happened in your <laughs> games um, that, that you want to share with us? In our very first game that we started a new campaign, we had some friends join for the first time. And uh, this close friend of ours, Ellen, has always kind of prided herself on her improv acting abilities. And true to her word, like she is hilarious and she is great, but she had never played D&D before. So we're playing a game and things are going fine. And, and she's uh, some magic wielder. I can't remember exactly, but they they had encountered a group of, of bandits in these woods. And they're like, how are we going to either circumvent this situation or defeat them? And Ellen decided to cast disguise on herself as one of the one of the bandits that she saw. And I'm thinking like, oh cool, like she's gonna like weave her way in and like get information out of them or pose as this to like have them go somewhere else. We're all thinking that's what's gonna happen. And in this crucial moment of what happens she just walks straight up to the very guy she has disguised herself as and we're all like um okay and so i'm now playing the, <laughs> the bandit and i'm like whoa who are you and she stumbles out uh i'm you and everyone's like, what is going on? Like, it was such a great idea. And it turned into this <laughs> horrible situation. And the whole table is just dying with laughter because she didn't know what to do. And then she's like, I'm so like befuddled. I'm so confused. And I'm like, well, we're just going to keep rolling with it. And so now there's this, I'm you inside joke that anytime there's a bad confrontation, we all just shout, I'm you. And those moments, those moments of like seeing players just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing, but everyone's laughing and everyone's just like, we are laughing with you at like, yeah, yeah. that's one of my favorite aspects of playing Dungeons and Dragons or any role playing game are just like, wow, you really screwed up but we are all dying with laughter over this. And like, you know, it turned out fine in the end. I think they ended up killing all the bandits, but <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. It's like the personification of the Spider-Man gift where he's pointing at himself. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what it reminds me Coming from someone that right beforehand was like, I'm really good at improv. Like I know how to like handle any like situation you throw at me and be like, nah, you really didn't handle that. Well, 
<sighs> I thought she was going to say something like, like, you know, try to like say that they're an imposter and like turn on them, you know, but yeah, it's, that's so funny. No, There's a lot no, of ways. I, you knew. Could take I it. knew it was about all she could get out of that. <laughs> I love it. Oh man. Only in D and D, right? Yep. All right. So you, you've been playing since you were pretty young. So I'd love to know who are some of your biggest influences on how you run your games. Mm. So that's interesting because I I grew up in uh, Yosemite National Park, so I didn't have a lot of resources at my disposal. And yeah. again, when I started playing like late nineties, early two thousands, D and D was not anywhere near what it is today as far as you know accessibility and and seeing it on the media, uh, social media, TV like it is today. And so I basically just played how I wanted to play, how I knew how to play. And then like, okay, this is going to sound like a cop out, but you know, critical role <laughs> is so huge. And and I really do love and respect Matt Mercer and how he plays. And I would say, as I've continued to play and watching him and watching their group, I, I'm a big fan of, of like epic storytelling kind of DMing. I love deep stories with lore and twists and intense character arcs and confrontations. So yes, we can get silly at times. I think of the, uh, the McElroy's, you know, Ad- adventure time, not adventure time. Adventure, adventure zone. zone. Yeah. And I do love like how silly and crazy and how they're always kind of just like ribbing each other throughout the entire show. But I think when I get right down to it, I I love I'm eager to create that epic adventure, something that could be in a in a J.R.R. Tolkien book, you know, something mm-hmm. that's just grand in scale and uh, lots of cool characters. And so, yeah, I'm I'm mellow. I am easy with, you know, oh, that rule doesn't work. Let's uh, throw it out the window. We're going to homebrew this. I'm fine. If someone wants to play as a crazy character, I'm like, let's do it. Because I, I want to encourage creativity on their part. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't, I think that answers the question. Yeah, I think so too. Do you have any hot takes about D&D? I would just say to anyone that hasn't played D&D, most likely it is nothing like what you think it is. Every time someone learns about it or plays it, they will say like, I didn't realize that this is what D&D is. So everyone's opinion or view of D&D based on Hollywood or what they've just learned over the years, throw it out the window because most likely it will not be that experience. Okay. What about your past experiences or your personality or your interests do you think make you a good DM or kind of drew you towards it? You kind of talked about the storytelling part of it, but yeah, anything else that comes to mind? Yeah, like I said... Growing up in Yosemite, I had a lot of alone time with my imagination. For a part, like, I don't even think we owned a TV because we lived in the park. And so being an artist and being a kid with a lot of free time to himself, I just would sit and create maps and items and characters and worlds and make my own games and rules to them from a very young age. And then that. Once I got into middle school and high school, I started acting. So then I was 
you know, trying out different voices and accents and being very flamboyant and comfortable putting on a performance. And then finally, after all that, I got, um, I have a, a degree in as an English teacher. So I learned how to like control a space and control an environment and teach in a methodic, understandable way. And I think yeah. all of those things together really gave me the tools to know how to be a DM and to create like a fun environment for others to be in. Yeah, I've had a few people tell me that being a teacher has really kind of taught them a lot of skills, which says a lot about the uh, players at your table. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's kind of cool to see all the different things that are part of your life that kind of coalesce into this in this one hobby, you know. This episode of How Not to DM is brought to you by Gemmed Firefly. Need a fresh new look for the new year? Head on over to gemmedfirefly.com for the newest tees, mugs, and home goods styled with D&D gamer humor and aesthetics. As always, Gemmed Firefly makes every shirt to order, bringing you all of the softest and most comfortable shirts that thousands have come to love. And now, listeners of the show get a discount when you use the code DRAGON at checkout. Find your new favorite shirt at gemmedfirefly.com. And now, let's return to the show, starting up with a brand new minigame for Season 2. Welcome to Quickfire Chaos! This week on Quickfire Chaos, I'm going to give Logan a random list of monsters from the 5e Monster Manual, and he's going to tell me how he'd cook and serve them in a fantasy restaurant. This week, uh, Logan and I are going to do something a little different. And actually, let's have you describe what the Mr. Rowe method is so that people understand oh, sure. what's going on if they're, if they're um, not sure. So, yeah. Uh, so Logan is well, something he's really well known for on social media is the Mr. Rowe method. So he's going to explain a little bit about that and where that came from and how it's going to play into the game today. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> the Mr. Rowe method is a element of intuitive eating where you, if you're trying to figure out what it is that you want to eat and be intuitive with, with yourself and what sounds good. You're going to think about the taste, the texture, and the temperature, as well as you know any other thing that you want to include in that in the food. So I'm hungry. What do I want to eat? Something soft, something hard, something crunchy, something smooth, something hot, something cold. And then you create this you know, little list of things that, oh, that sounds really good. That's the yeah. Mr. Rowe method. So if I was sitting there and I'm like, man, I want some hot, spicy crunch. I'd be looking for some tacos or some nachos yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. I want some some warm, hearty slurp. You know, I'm looking for some ramen or, or something mm -hmm. like that. That's, mm -hmm. that. So that's those are some examples. Uh, and, and you and your wife will be driving around in your car and you'll make an Instagram story and kind of like, you know, describing what you two are in the mood for. And it's super fun to watch. Yeah, My wife and I, you. a couple of years ago, kind of, I don't know if Tiffany introduced her to intuitive eating or she found it herself, but it's been really cool for us to start thinking about it like that instead of 
instead of trying to be limiting on what we eat, it's like, what actually, what, what sounds good? Cause your body knows what it wants. And yeah. if you give your body what it wants, then it'll feel good. And yeah. I love that. I think it's, it's really cool to think about food in a positive light when we're kind of drilled at such a young age that it should be negative or restrictive mm-hmm. or something. So Absolutely. anyway, that, that's the end of the spiel. Uh, sorry. Don't, don't want me to get too preachy about it, but yeah. So Mr. Rowe here, but we have opened up a new tavern in the city of Waterdeep and you've got connections across the globe and you're going to start a new tavern that specializes in exotic dishes. So I'm going to give you a list of monsters here from the monster manual. You're going to tell me how you might prepare them in a delicious dish and how you think it would taste using the Mr. Rowe method. Okay. I love it. Let's do this. All right. So we're going to start off in alphabetical order here with the Avaleth. Avaleth. Like I said, you can pull up whatever you need to to look Um, at it. That's the, like, fishy-looking thing, right? Yeah, it's like this giant ancient fish with three fins, and it it has, like, ancestral memories about being banished by the gods. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the Avaleth. Well, I would, um, being a fish and a, uh, a big fan of Japanese culture, mm-hmm. I would prepare this in like a, a sashimi type dish. So you would, you would get a, uh, not cold, but, but cooler, fresh, unami munch. There you go. Yeah. A little bit of avalish sashimi. Sashimi, mm-hmm. I like that. That sounds delicious. <laughs> Hopefully, it doesn't poison you when you. Yeah, eat. it might mess with your mind as well. There's... Just got to prepare it properly. Uh, okay, next, ankeg or ankeg. Oh, okay. I've heard, I've heard okay. it two different ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Big giant bug-looking thing. Yeah. I would. Uh... Ooh. Okay. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go with like a. Pull it apart. And we're going to do some deep frying in here. So we're going to remove that carapace from it. And then uh, in a nice batter, we'll then deep fry it. So you're going to get a, a, a hot, crispy spice. Because I'm going to add I'm going to add some seasonings to that. Yeah. This is more of an appetizer dish, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I had to pick this one. Next up is gelatinous cube. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going straight to the dessert round. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I mean, it already comes as a cube. So w- what I might do, I might cube it up even more, like into littler cubes, and yeah. and put that on a, a nice, a nice uh, rounded plate. Add some cream along the sides. Maybe give it a little. Uh, ooh. Yeah, a little bit of zest. We're gonna put some zest on that. And then you're gonna have a uh, a slurpy, soft glurp. Yeah, because you you're gonna you could use a spoon or a for- fork with that one. Yeah, it'll be kind of like Jello, but yeah. with the acidic taste. Mm-hmm. The cream and the zest will really complement the flavors. That sounds yeah. delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one is myconid. Myconid. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. Earthy, soft texture. Uh, we'll probably just in a, in a light searing in a pan. 
Yeah, add some more uh, spices to that. Maybe add in a, a few beets and potatoes and then create Ooh. a little dish of, yeah, like crisp, soft, earthy yum. That's what we'll call that. Micah did root salad or, or yeah. vegetable salad kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Sounds delicious. Uh, okay. Mimic. <laughs> I have no idea how you're going to do this one, but I want to see. Mimic? Oh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. What is it even mimicking? <laughs> oh, man. Know. I feel like it depends so much on what it is. That is so tough. Oh. What is a mimic when it is not mimicking an object? I know. Once it's dead, what happens? Yeah, I don't know. what has happened? I would say... Shoot. Man, you might have gotten me on that one. I have faith. I would say it is a salty, sweet, globby lump chew. <sighs> yeah. I don't and know. I, what, you could probably serve it with anything, you know? It's that's probably, the thing. It's a mimic. Yeah. You, you can make it be any dish you want. As soon as you start putting in ingredients, it might, like begin to adhere or like manipulate itself to become part of that ingredient so it really is like sweet or sour or whatever it's like the msg of the of the fantasy <laughs> food world yeah <laughs> oh man uh okay three more shambling mound Ooh, shambling mound all right uh this is like a a hearty salad this is like a yeah, this could be a main course, but it is a salad. You're going to be getting some... There's going to be some fresh crunch uh, with some... Maybe a little bit of... A, there's like a tart zip there in it, you know, because you're going to bite in some of those leafy greens in there, and they're going to they're gonna pop with some flavor. It might even be, be like some cilantro, like, some watercress. Yeah, yeah, and maybe some even like berries in there, so you'll get these little zips of like a... Ooh, there's a little like sweet tang in that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love it. Uh, okay. Tarask. <laughs> oh, right. This is your mother's steak right here. This is just hearty, filling, salty, savory chomp. Yeah. It's just a big, big old, old Tarask chop. Yeah. A, a steak. <laughs> oh, all right. Last one. Purple worm. Purple worm. Okay, all right. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna actually treat this like a like a seared ahi tuna. It's uh, Ooh, it's, like steaks of it. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna st uh, steak fillet that thing and then just sear it around the outside. But I want you to to get in and taste that that very fatty meat of of the worm. And so we're not gonna be cooking this for long and then. Yeah, you're just going to have a fatty, smooth, savory chew. There we go. Because it probably is a, a little chewy. Probably. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm super excited to uh, to test out all these dishes. It's going to be a really Michelin expensive star. restaurant. Michelin star material Easy. here. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, everyone's going to be wanting this, a table at this place. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Kind of switching gears here. Um, you played in a season of Enter the Hex, and you've done some streams for the Hive 
here locally in Utah for a bit. So yeah. what are um, both of those and what was it like to be a part of them? Oh, that was, that was a really fun thing. It kind of fell in my lap when I was teaching. Um, I was good friends with, am good friends with the, uh, the drama teacher at my school. And she knew the owners of the Hive Collective and said, hey, I just saw this thing that's like Dungeons and Dragons and you do that, but it's also acting and you like that. So maybe you should like give them a call. So I did. And uh, landed a, a spot. Actually, I did. I did two seasons with them. Played oh, yeah. different characters in in each. And uh, the best way I could describe Enter the Hex, as one player put it, it's what they would call game prov, a mix of tabletop role playing games and stage improv. Because we were re- we were playing Dungeons and Dragons with the rules and the dice rolling and everything. But we were also on stage in dressed up characters. And so we had to improv based on the roll of the die or what someone said, because it wasn't scripted. There were parts that had to happen as part of the story. But playing D&D, if anyone's played D&D, like things can go sideways real quick and go in a lot of different directions based on what players are doing. So it was challenging because... We were putting on a show with a live audience there and people streaming, but we also had to make sure it, it ran smoothly and was entertaining. Yeah. And but if a player died, like a player died and they're dead, that's the way D and D works. And it was like always kind of scary because you didn't want to die and be like, "Well, I guess I'm not on the next episode because I'm dead." Yeah. It's tough. I guess it makes you think a little bit more about, about your decisions too, though, huh? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that but was the was, if you went big, you know, if you're like, this is either going to kill me or I'm going to be like the coolest person on stage right now. And so it was like, do I take that chance? And sometimes we didn't, sometimes we didn't. And I, I once did, and it did not work out well for me. I think I I died or I came really close to it. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I, I would do it again, yeah. but COVID hit and it, it you know, everything kind of had to go on the back burner after that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if they'll do something like that again soon, but we'll see. My buddy Garrett Olson, he played in one of the games too. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I know fun. Garrett. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You mentioned earlier you really like Critical Role. Any other kinds of D&D slash tabletop media that you consume in that you really enjoy? Yeah, man. I feel like that's all of my form of entertainment. I mean, I I love (laughs) the Amazon prime animated series that just came out. The legends of Vox Machina. That was a lot of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. I've also really enjoyed the adventure zone though. I I admit I have not listened to the most recent season that they're doing. So yeah, there's some good podcasts out there. I, as a teen read a lot of books like the dragon Lance, series all of those i mean video games what haven't i played i mean baldur's gate or anything like that all the final fantasy games like role-playing games have always been a big part of my just upbringing and my form of entertainment i've recently been dabbling more into the cyberpunk red rpg and getting more into the whole cyberpunk vibe and seeing what that's like yeah that's fun I've I've never played Cyberpunk, but I'd be interested to try it. All right. 
So we talked a little bit about the the into the hex stuff you've done. Uh, would you ever consider doing like a stream or a podcast, or have you considered doing that? Or would you be down for guest spots and that kind of thing if people are interested? Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, in fact, one of the players, the guest players, uh, enter the hex does a D and D podcast and invited me to play, and I was like. I was going to play with them, but then, like I said, COVID hit, and then everything just backburned. They're like, "Well, we'll catch you on you know some future date." But uh, yeah, yeah, I've I've always enjoyed doing any kind of form of of D anD D. So if someone's like, "Hey, we're doing a stream, we're doing this. Would you like to make a guest appearance?" Like, I would find a way to put it in my schedule. Cool, cool. All right, so. I've started following you on Instagram a few years ago. Like I said, uh, my wife follows your wife, really loved the intuitive eating stuff. And she was like, oh, you got to check out her husband. He's so funny. And I was like, all right. And so, you know, I've been following you for a long time. And something that you did for a while uh, was the Mindful Gamer. And you were talking about the benefits of games and about video games and kind of talking about the stigmas around them too. So Talk to us a little bit about that, about like why you think games are important and good for mental health and an important part of uh, life and expression. For sure. Man, I feel like this topic alone is an entire podcast episode. Oh, yeah, easily. Like, yeah, you know, Mindful Gamer for me was was just that, like, let's kind of demystify the stigma and the mystery around video games and and D and just that whole world that has just kind of been put in a frame for so long that isn't absolutely uh true and so for me what can i say about this it there is such a stigma of what D is and who plays it the demographics of those that involve themselves with D and as, as soon as you erase that and see the game as a social interaction that's filled with friendship and storytelling and problem solving. It's, it is so much more and and D becomes this tool at improving your mental health. It actually encourages social interaction and it encourages speaking with people and, and figuring things out and collaborating. But the, the view of D and D is like, Oh, you're this like, reclusive like unable to communicate with people you go to your basement and, and it's like it, it couldn't be further from the truth once you see it for what it is and how like uh i had said my uh, my niece plays and she she is on the the spectrum and it is like one of the most beautiful things of watching her play because she comes out of her shell and she's throwing out ideas and she's taking chances and risks at things. And, and we're seeing her develop and become so much more. And D and D is part of that process. And That's so I, cool. I just, yeah, I hate it when people are like, Oh, you're all just like a bunch of nerds that don't know how to talk to people. I'm like, no, you are so unbelievably wrong. Yeah, it's funny. If anything, it's become more and more about the role play as time goes on, I think, which which is really encouraging those behaviors, like you said. So yeah. how do you feel like games have positively impacted your life? I mean, you had a good example of, of you know, direct family members really benefiting from it. But yeah, what about you? I mean, for me, I think that it's, it's definitely something that we have to keep coming back to because it could become very 
easy to get sucked into the world of gaming. Um, escapism true. is a great thing, and there's no inherent problem with escapism unless we make it a problem, and then we're just always trying to escape. I I found that for me, it helped me develop some social skills and and the ability to communicate that maybe I wouldn't have developed without it. But mm. being in a social setting with friends or family and confronting issues either within the game or outside the game. I'm sure that you've had the experience of, of dealing with a difficult player, someone that's trying to steamroll everything. And, and like you have to learn to navigate that and, and talk with them about it. And that was something that I had to embrace where in the past I might've been like, I, you know, I'm not going to really deal with this person. They're difficult, but I want everyone to feel included and feel safe. And so it forced yeah. me to say, I have to have a tougher conversation with this person and figure out how to work things out. And yeah. I don't know if that would have existed had I not been in the D and D game. Yeah. I, I've never really thought about like reconciling and, and, and dealing with boundaries with players and like that, having a, a real life, counterpart with family and friends that you have that might do the same thing you know mm -hmm. needing to set boundaries with with them and you're totally right wow that's opened up a, a new window for me crazy right mental health dude yeah. i'm all about that yeah yeah so cool okay second to last question is what you know if you had to kind of distill all of your wisdom and advice into a couple of key points for people now, what's your best advice for DMs out there? Okay. I would say, one, your job as a DM or GM is not to oppose your players. You are telling a story together. I think that's that's a big one that, that early on DMs struggle with. Yeah. Uh, and the second one, kind of in the same frame of mind, don't stifle your players' creativity. I think nothing will destroy your players' appetite for gaming like an attitude of my way or the highway. I mean, you have to embrace your group's initiative and their outside-the-box thinking. And then those have led me to some of like, the funniest or most interesting, entertaining moments in our play sessions. When you're like, nope. I want it this way and you have options A or B and they're like, but I like option C like, okay, let's go with option C. Let's see what happens. Don't stifle their creativity or they might not want to come back and play again. Yeah, true. Very good advice. Lastly, where can people find you online? Do you have any upcoming projects to plug? I know there may not be anything specific for, for you, but if there is, you know, let us know. Yeah, sure. Well, you mentioned my, my Instagram. So you can find my, my main account, Hey Mr. Rowe, where I talk about food and mental health and being a guy and anything and everything in between. Then there is the Mindful Gamer, where I talk more specifically about the world of gaming and the stigma behind it. I sadly I've, I've taken a break from that partly because of COVID. And then partly because I am working on a new project um, that I will announce at some date with both of those accounts. Cool. Where I I'm, I can teach 
so it's 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 a it's a cool thing. I'll just a tiny little introduction of it, but yeah, I'm now teaching families how to play Dungeons and Dragons, or teaching families family members how to play a DM, how to DM their own games, so that you know if they ever wanted to play something, they have the tools to now learn how to do it. Because I, I want to help them learn how to deal with something that so many people like I know nothing about this I have no idea where to start so I've been teaching families how to do that and I'll eventually come up with either a website or something on on you know if you need help with this if this is something you're interested in I can help you with that awesome that sounds really cool let me know when that launches and I'll do some some promoting and stuff too uh, I'm assuming you you're probably looking for people all over the place, not just local. So yeah, yeah sure. Be yeah. Cool. Everything. That's really awesome. And you know, the world needs more DMS out there. So the, the more we can get doing it, the better. So that's, that's great. Cool. Well, I'll make sure to put links to your accounts and stuff in the episode notes. So anybody can go check you out. Uh, I'll probably put Tiffany's link in there too, just so people can, sure, can yeah. see what she's all about. And yeah, but thanks so much for joining me, man. It's been a lot of fun. Like I said, I've been following you for a while, so I feel like I know you super well. And uh, <laughs> when I had this D&D podcast, I was I was thinking of um, interesting guests to bring on. And I was like, oh, you know who would be really fun and who's like in my backyard? Yeah. So uh, so thanks so much for being willing. Yeah, and I, Derek, thank you. This is like what a treat. Like it, it's been a pleasure. This was really cool. Awesome. Well, uh, have a great rest of your day. You too, man. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. Now it's time for a sneak peek into next week's guest, Will, of D&D Shorts. But yeah, that's where it really started. And I, I was only ever interested in YouTube. But my sister was like, you should do something on TikTok as well. If you're making these shorts, put them on TikTok. And I was like, yeah, no, fine, fine. You know, it, it couldn't hurt, right? So uh, I had the idea. And then a week later, I'd made three shorts. I put the first one on YouTube and on TikTok and then I went to bed. I woke up the next morning, I checked YouTube and it had like seven views because that's how YouTube is. And that was pretty disheartening because I was like, man, I feel like this is really good, but how am I ever going to break through that wall that is YouTube for people without already an audience? So, you know, that was disappointing. And I, what I actually did was I had this Google Drive where I'd put already like 20 ideas in for future videos. I dragged it into the trash. And I was like, you know, this isn't for me. This isn't working. And I kind of forgot about it. And then about three hours later, I remembered I'd put it on TikTok. And I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, whatever. I throw open the app and it had like 100,000 views. I had 10,000 followers already. And I couldn't do any more work for the next like two days. I was so excited. To hear more about Will's journey to D&D TikTok celebrity and about his best advice for running your own games, tune in next week. Remember to check out my Patreon if you haven't already for even more sneak peeks. Next time you get the chance, share this episode with your friends and family around your game table. Another great way to help me boost the show is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by rating the show on Spotify. I appreciate all of you for helping me grow. Thanks to the team at T4C Studios for helping edit and produce this episode. My new intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos music is by Exacat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music is by Arcane Anthems. Check out the episode notes for more of their great work. And, as always, until next time, roll some nat 20s for me.